Okay. Well, hey there. Welcome back to the second episode of the uh, AmeriCorps Alumni Network uh, podcast. Um, I'm still working on a name because, you know, everything has to be long. Um, but I'm really excited to be here with Aubrey Leverty. Leverty, yeah. Leverty. Um, and we're going to have a really great conversation and dive into how her um, her service year um, started at the United Community Action Network in Oregon, and she's now in the tech industry. Um, and I think that's one of the things about sharing this information within this alumni group that I think is so powerful is that our our AmeriCorps experience may start in one sector and we may find that our skills can transition and translate into something else. So I'm really excited for, for Aubrey to jump into her story. But before I get started, um, I just want to remind everybody who I am. So I'm Nikki Fiaco and I am an AmeriCorps alum from, uh, I was in Volunteer Maryland from 2011 to 2012, and I served in the Anne Arundel County Recreation and Parks at Quiet Waters Park as an environmental uh, educator. And um, after that, I uh, was hired by my site and I had tons of adventures um, after my service year that where I ended up being able to serve as executive director for two state service commissions, and I'm still really, really involved in AmeriCorps and my passion is connecting people. And I'm really excited to be connecting AmeriCorps alums with one another, connecting y'all with resources and networking opportunities. I'm really hoping that this is gonna grow our community. There's over a million of us who have served. So what a strong presence and voice that we have. We've all served in some capacity um, in our country. And now, you know, we're spread out around the world. And I just really hope that we can connect together and uh, and rise up service and, and, and support volunteerism and community engagement. So that is my virtuous goal that I have here. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to, to Aubrey. And I did warn her that I have a tendency to, to interrupt when she says, when people say something that's like super inspirational. Um, so I'm going to let her introduce herself and then, you know, tell us a little bit about what you did as your service year, kind of your biggest takeaways. Maybe if there were some challenges that you remember that you kind of overcame. Um, and then we'll go into like what you're doing now. And we actually have something really special to offer. Um, so don't leave this podcast until the very end. So Aubrey, it's all you. Thank you. Um, so as she mentioned, I did AmeriCorps VISTA in Oregon. For those of you who don't know what the VISTA portion is, it stands for Volunteers in Service to America. Um, it was originally started by President Johnson back in the 60s. And then when AmeriCorps was formed, it moved under to that umbrella as well. So really compared to AmeriCorps direct service, we are not necessarily engaging with the, the students that are being tutored. You're creating a program to recruit volunteers or to write grants to get money for that volunteer program and for that tutoring program. So more of the administrative side of nonprofits. So I was hired um, at the United Community Action Network, which is a United Way organization in Roseburg, Oregon. 
And I was hired as a community educator on poverty. And what I studied in school was about social inequality, um, specifically race, class, and gender was my major in sociology. So it really lined up with stuff I had learned in school and fit my skills. I'd never been to Oregon in my life. I really had never traveled West at all, um, except- Where were, you, like where were you traveling from? So you moved I to- moved from the Detroit metro area um, all the way out to Oregon and didn't know a single soul, didn't know what I was getting into. I had graduated in 08, didn't really know what I was doing, moved in with my parents briefly and was like, you know, really the crash happened. And so it was not a great time to graduate college. Um, and so I looked into AmeriCorps and that's how I found the, the program. And I will say too, I really appreciate you distinguishing the difference between AmeriCorps, like state and national direct members and VISTA. Um, I think that's something that's so important, especially because there's so many AmeriCorps alums who served in different capacities. We have NCCC, we have VISTA. Sometimes people identify more with their program, Teach for America folks, we love you. You're an AmeriCorps member. <laughs> um, so I thank you so much for breaking that down. And actually VISTA um, is old, is, is a more established program than AmeriCorps Direct. So thank you for that. So anyways, there's an example of my interruptions. Continue. <laughs> no problem. So yeah, so I moved to Oregon, picked up everything, drove across country with my mom and um, moved there. And I did orientation, which was in San Diego, California. So I had only been to California once before. So the whole West was still all new to me. Um, and many time zones away, like, um, which made it, it rough, like trying to get a hold of my parents. There they're like about to go to bed and I'm just off work. So, you know, I'd never really been that far from home, you know, three hours was how far I was from college to my parents. So it was a very, very big change. Um, and so I was a third year member and typically um, VISTA served for a three-year have a, the position is for three years. And the first year is really establishing the program and what you're going to do. Um, the second year expanding it or building upon it and the third year making it sustainable because there won't be necessarily an AmeriCorps person coming after you. So I was the third year. I was lucky to have my second year VISTA on staff. She was the advocate for the homeless. Um, so I could easily talk to her about her experience and everything um, and how things went. So that was really great to have that. And unlike a lot of AmeriCorps VISTA positions and everything, United Community Action Network um, had a block grant and they had multiple positions out under their umbrella, whether that was with their organization or stuff in another county. They were kind of spread out in the Douglas, Josephine County area. Um, and Douglas County is the size of Delaware. So it's a very big county. 
um, and very rural, very spread out. But so we had VISTAs kind of serving in smaller communities of a couple thousand people. Um, but it was nice to have that support and network where we're all going through the same experience. And I know like in talking to some other VISTAs that I had met at orientation, they didn't necessarily have that. They're kind of on their own. Um, so yeah. I think definitely, you know, having this alumni network and this podcast is really great to kind of bring everyone together um, and be able to have that shared experience and that shared, okay, I did AmeriCorps, now what do I do? Oh, like, how yeah. do I translate this into a job? Because a lot of people serve right after college um, or even high school if you're state and national, so. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's such a, an important, like, just, just like, um, bookmark right there is um, all the different entry points for AmeriCorps and the different experience that everybody has. Um, you know, I served when I was in my mid thirties. So I, you know, I wasn't necessarily like looking for a career, but it kind of captured me and, and brought me in. And I feel like after our service year, and there, there may be people that are listening to this who just finished their service year and they don't know what to do next and, or how to translate their experience or even put it on a resume correctly. Right. right. That's something that uh, Peter and I talked about in our last our la the the first podcast was like, what should I name this thing? Right? What is name recognition? I know we're going to get into that later on uh, when we chat, but um, I think that that was just such a good point that like, you know, there's there's so many different entry points to to uh, AmeriCorps, and so thank you for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I had other teammates who became our Vista leader who went on to serve other places. So you can serve, you know, I think up to three years unless they've changed that. I'm not sure the rules anymore, um, but you can serve multiple times and, you know, move to a whole new state. Yeah. Serve somewhere else, you know? Yeah. The nice thing about Vista is they do, at least when I was a Vista, I can't speak for now, they pay to help move you to mm. the that's important. So you have a certain amount of money that you can spend towards moving. So that really helped, you know, completely uprooting my life and moving across the whole country, basically. Yeah. So what are, what are um, that? I mean, that's so, like each AmeriCorps position has their different benefits, like NCCC, you get housing and you get food and you get transportation. Like they're going to move you around the country or around your region in a van, just so y'all know. And you might have to sleep in like, I don't know, in bunk beds or something. I didn't do NCCC, but I love all yeah. of the NCCC years out there. And, and April is going to be like our environmental uh, service or our vet, environmental national service. Um, so it's all going to be about and environmental programs. And so I think I have a lot of NCCCers that are going to be lined up for that for that month. But what are some two things? What are what were the biggest takeaways of your service year? And what was maybe one of the biggest challenges you had that you overcome you overcame and it served you even now? Um yeah, so I'll actually start with the latter question. <laughs> um and it was really hard to be away from my family. Um, to be that many time zones and that far that I couldn't go visit them. I got very homesick and almost gave up 
um, during my year of service and wanted to just go home. But I didn't. I stuck it out, finished my year of service. And since then, I've also lived in four other states. So I've gotten used to just picking up and moving to places I've never been. I um, or have never have visited very limitedly. So um, I think it gave me the strength to just like go up and decide I'm going to go live in Utah. Like, luckily, I knew someone from AmeriCorps, actually, from my pre-service orientation that I had met in um, and was serving in Utah and was from Michigan originally, too. So we had that connection and kept in touch with him over the years. And, and so you really like, I think it's great. You get to meet so many people, even at pre-service orientation, even if it's such, you know, the few days that you're there, it's great to connect with people who are serving all over and are having those different experiences. I wish they kind of had an after one. So yes. you can talk about how your service was and like, debrief and learn more about what you can do and stuff like this that the podcast is covering um I think would be great like you know but yeah we we just cherish those Amer relationships that we have and for purposes of this podcast and for purposes of Amer language going forward anytime you put Amera in front of anything it becomes in the Amera language in the it is the Amera experience so yeah, so, yeah, so I can imagine that like being away from your support system was be, was so challenging. And I think something that you said is so important and that you almost gave up and you didn't. And AmeriCorps members, Vista and Triple C, AmeriCorps Senior, all of us were resilient, right? Like we're kind of put into situations that are like, figure it out, you know? And when it particularly comes to um, employers of national service and those employers who prioritize hiring AmeriCorps members, that's who, th- those are the individuals that they're getting. Individuals that get to the brink of like, I can't do this. And then we figure it out. And, and, and I think that that is something that is, is unique to the national service experience. So thank you for pointing that out. And also I love that it gave you like a sense of adventure. You're like, okay, well I can do this now. So that's very cool too. Yeah, I've really enjoyed, like I've lived everywhere but the South, Um, but I've lived in Utah, Oregon, Montana, Virginia and the DC area and Chicago and Illinois. So, and then grew up in Michigan, so kind of a big variety they're all very different Uh, and and, but Chicago for me has since been home but I miss the mountains a lot it's hard to not be around them having lived around them for a few years so for sure some of the biggest takeaways man there's there's so many I could list here I think you know one of the things about being a VISTA member is that you're basically forced to live in poverty. They want you to live how the people you're serving live. And while there's, you know, help with rent maybe and help with your energy bills, you still have to struggle. Like my, I personally didn't go because I still felt weird, but my 
friends would go to the food banks and get food from there and like go to the soup kitchens and whatever, you know. And so one of the projects I did that I came up with is like, there's all these resources out there, like food banks and soup kitchens and and employer assistance, like programs and everything. But these people don't know about it. And you don't know, when you don't know, you can't, you don't know, like, you don't, yeah, you can't, you don't know where to access it. Right. Right. So I put together a small pamphlet that could fit in someone's pocket and covered most of the county and different regions and everything. And it had numbers and time periods and you know, obviously the stuff could change, the soup kitchen could go from a Thursday to Tuesday, but I tried to put the phone number in there and so that they had it and they were really popular. Actually, they went through them pretty quickly. Um, so that was one of the things I had to figure out how to sustain that going because it was a cost to run all of that, that stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think like, as someone who grew up comfortably um, in a, you know, upper middle-class suburb of Detroit, like I had no idea what being poor was like. Um, And I didn't know, even as a student being poor and basically like being responsible for myself and racking up credit card debt to pay for my books, whatever that I was, that I would have qualified for a lot of services that I learned that you do qualify like for SNAP benefits, also known as food stamps. So I think it just opened me up. Most people don't know about all the help that they can get and where to search that out. And I think that my organization was sort of a one-stop homeless low-income place helping with energy assistance rental assistance they even had um, low-income housing that they ran as well Um, they had the food bank that they ran as well that served all the area food pantries so it was kind of a one-stop shop and they also had showers for people to come shower but it was kind of a little ways out of town, like just on the outskirts. So people had a hard time even getting there and like needed gas money to get back and everything. And it just made me more humble and understand their experience, what a struggle was like. I can't go off easily and run off to California and have a great time because I have no money because I just left college. I don't have any yeah. savings. So I think also hearing the stories from other low-income and homeless people, how easy, and now I know too, as an adult, having lost my job on multiple occasions, being laid off, it's so easy to become homeless out of, you're not even your own doing. You could go bankrupt because you got cancer or you were in an abusive situation and thankfully left out of that. But have no means to support your child or yourself. So I don't think it's as what people think, like automatically that there must be a drug abuser or anything like that. That is definitely prevalent, but it's just so easy to just 
slip off yeah. out of society um, through no fault of your own. And so I think hearing those stories are like, oh, like these people are trying. They want to have a good job. They want to have a good life. They're not how some people think of lazy and just, well, why didn't you just get a job? Well, you actually need an address right, to have a job. And a shower so that you can like, yeah. You need a social security card to get a job. Like, yeah, they don't know where to go. So it's just like a lot of how much knowledge it takes even to get yourself out of poverty or to get access to resources while you're in poverty. Yeah. And I will say that, like, I I truly believe that a service year um, really can challenge can challenge our cognitive biases. You know, we just don't, we kind of what you said earlier about not knowing what you don't know. And we have these assumptions about things and serving in a community with those community members can really enlighten um, and, and bring out the humanity in people. And, and that's, the, you know, that is what a service year can offer someone and whether you're working in human services or environmental services, you can see the connection between environmental degradation and the health of the people living in that area. So thank you for sharing your experience. And um, to your point about homelessness, I just happened to be watching a a YouTube video that I um, just, somebody posted in LinkedIn because I'm addicted to LinkedIn, as you all know, Um, and it's called Invisible People. And it just really brings out the truth about um, homelessness. So thank you for, for bringing that sharing that that was such an impactful part of your service year. Um, so earlier when we were talking, you had mentioned that, um, I can't remember if we hit record or not. I, I think it was before we did, but you had mentioned that your your project development was something that was very helpful for you as you transitioned after your service year and you were able to be presented with an opportunity and you're like, I don't know what that is, but I can figure out how to do it. So talk to me about a little bit like your, your transition. I know you had a little bit of human services in there and then you kind of moved into the, um, the tech field. And I think people listening might be really interested to hear about like how that project management piece and organization, even the fact that you were just like, Oh, I'm going to create this brochure for these services. Like I, I can't imagine somebody assigned you to do that. You just saw a knee yeah. and you did it. Um, and I know a lot of AmeriCorps alum that are listening to this right now are going, yeah, same. So what was it like after your service year and as you transitioned? Yeah. So part of my service was organizing events. One of them included organizing the countywide homeless count, which was oh, yeah. um, mandated by the state. And as I mentioned, it was the size of Delaware. So we had to have multiple locations that people could access and there are AmeriCorps members in those areas help serve those areas. So I had to recruit volunteers. I had to get supplies that we would offer because this was in um, January. So we tried to buy jackets and, and tents and um, things like that, that we could give back and clothes and everything that that would be available at these sites as well as a hot meal. So I had to coordinate all of that, buying these stuff, um, you know, writing a grant to try and get some of these supplies funded, you know, 
a lot of planning went into this one day events. Um, and so, and as well as all the other program um, events that I did. And so oh, event real quick, just, sure. just, sorry, just to clarify, I think, so is that called the national night out? Um, and I think, is that when you go out and you kind of take an audit of like where people are living, homeless people are living and is that? So we didn't it? go out to places. Gotcha. Um, people, we had sites that you could come and, and get the hot meal and get. Some oh, okay. Stuff. Okay, great. Great. Um, yeah. So it was again, mandated by the state and then that's how our County ran it was through our VISTA program. Um, and so, yeah, we had volunteers. So I got a ton of experience to, out of just that one event, you know, organizing and managing volunteers. So having, you know, managing people, you know, writing your grants like for fundraising. So fundraising for that, you know, buying supplies, like making sure managing our budget of what we had to buy those supplies and make our money go as long as we done. And so we shopped on like Black Friday for an event, like, and these coats were super on sale. And we organized with the organized, though, I think it was out of Walmart in advance saying, hey, we're going to come in and need all these coats. Can you help us out? So they kind of helped us out in advance, having them all kind of set aside in the back. And so we didn't have to just like deal with it the day of because Black Friday, as you know, is crazy. But, you know, it gave me a lot of program project management experience. Mm -hmm. And so I knew after I served that I wanted to run a statewide AmeriCorps program or run um, a smaller one. So I ended up moving to Montana um, after a brief break and running a statewide AmeriCorps VISTA program there. And so got more experience, again, writing the grant to fund the program, reporting on what all the VISTAs were doing. So collating all their reports, putting it in, managing their like employee files, like and really organized and helped get them organized because the paperwork from the person was just a mess and all over the place, missing timesheets and we have to have that stuff. Or, and so, yeah, all those skills translated into project management and project coordination. And so I ended up, I was going to go to school for human computer, a master's in human computer interaction, which is like user experience design stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I got an internship at the company my brother happened to work at, and it was for an IT project, actually. And they were transitioning to a SharePoint, which is a Microsoft platform for intranets. I never used SharePoint in my life. I didn't even know what it was at all. Like, I grew up helping my dad build computers in our computer business, but you know, it was just nuts and bolts. Like I didn't really know what I was doing. Did you use a solder gun? <laughs> no, no soldering, but oh. yeah. So I was able to take my skills, translate them into organizing XYZ, you know, co-chairing XYZ, 
you know, raising funds of X amount of money, you know, a lot of resumes, they like to see the numbers. Like if you managed a budget of $5,000 and like created tracking programs and whatever, I think it's hard for people in general, not just AmeriCorps members to think of how their skills can translate to a whole new industry. And Mm -hmm. so our people could do that and get into project coordination and got hired with the company to help manage their intranets. And from there, I have since taught myself to do web development. So I'm a front end web developer and have been, had been up until recently been in SharePoint for the last 12 years. So really ended up making a career out of this thing I had no idea about. Um, and That's so, the yeah, resilience. <laughs> been in tech for almost 12 years now and like have moved out of SharePoint a bit. So, but still doing web development. And so you can really switch careers at any time. Um, even sometimes I think about switching careers again, like, and, you know, it's all about being able to translate your skills into a new industry and apply those. And I think it's really difficult for people to do that, especially with AmeriCorps, how to describe it, how to know how to put it on the resume um, and, and everything. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, on the on the last podcast, Peter and I talked about um, how to put it on the resume as AmeriCorps because that is the brand recognition. If you, you know, if you're you, a lot of AmeriCorps members, like I said, or many AmeriCorps members, identify with their program, um, but the uh, the the national network is AmeriCorps um, and national service. Um, how would you recommend? people and and I thought something that was really important that he shared also and, and I kind of agree with this is even if you did it when you were 20 and you're 45 or 60 or 50 now um it should say on your resume uh because it's I feel like it's a badge of honor it's like military service members don't ever take their military off of their you know off their their experience off of their resume so what are your thoughts like what would you recommend? How would you recommend individuals to um, have their service year on their resume? Maybe you can speak a little bit to LinkedIn, but if not, no no video. And then also how you can speak to your service in maybe an interview, even if it's been a while. Yeah. um, So I definitely put on my resume initially. I no longer have it on my resume got to keep it to one page um that's the other thing is like yeah a lot of places will throw out a resume longer than a page won't even look at it just goes automatically in the trash so what I've learned in writing resumes is to be succinct like three bullet points of what you did um I have a separate skills section and depending on what it is, like I might have a volunteer section like of stuff like that. Um, if I can fit it, depending on what relevance, um, usually they say to go back about five years, um, in your experience or just put the ones like if I were doing 
applying to be a UX designer. I would just put my design related jobs and not maybe everything I've done in the tech world because it's just one, it's not going to fit on the page. They don't want to read like eight point font. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, so to be succinct, to, you know, call out, to write resumes to the job. So if they have a particular way of phrasing grant writing, then put that phrase in your resume. A lot of times too, a computer is actually reading your resume. Yeah. So fit things. Another thing is to put words in white so that it might catch it. Ooh, that, uh, like repeat that again. So we all hear. So putting so words like in like white font. Header, like you want to put a like word that's not necessarily in your resume, but maybe is something that the scanner is going to pick up going through your PDF and you could put it in white text. I've been told this and so it'll pick it up because there's a lot of times where a person is not the first filter. It'll be a computer reading through it and chucking it out. So you want to get past that first thing. From what I've learned, they don't read resumes, the whole thing at all. Um, They're scanning through your resume in like two minutes and, you know, scanning for those highlighted words and skills that they listed out. Um, So making sure you call out those or putting it, using action words, like I'm sure Peter mentioned some of these things last, last time, but like saying organize. And as I mentioned, like using numbers and everything. So when I put AmeriCorps on my resume, I put served a one-year term in AmeriCorps Vista. Um, I believe I actually did in, use the organization where I worked at, but put mm-hmm. that I was an AmeriCorps Vista, my title as AmeriCorps Vista member hyphen community educator. Um, so definitely calling that out, like, so people can ask, because a lot of people actually aren't familiar with AmeriCorps, um, may have heard of it, but yeah. don't really know what it is. So definitely like explaining it, like giving the, as I gave a little history of the VISTA program um, and then what you did during your service and, you know, how that impacted you. Because for sure, there's all kinds of challenges during your year of service, whether it's missing home or finding the right food pantry or just being resourceful. You really have become become resourceful Mm -hmm. in trying to figure out everything. So... I think that, you know, there's a lot of challenges. Classic behavioral interview questions are always going to be like, you know, tell me about a time where you accomplished something um, or or time you were challenged. Um, Those are often, you know, what are your best skills? What are skills you need to work on? So I those are, I think, really important that I think AmeriCorps can easily cover all those questions. Yes, yes. You know, if you don't have a lot of work experience, you know, even if you did just one year of service, you're going to have, you had a year of a lot of challenges and a lot of successes, hopefully, um, through that. Yeah. That was some really great insider, like only hear it here 
information about resume writing for sure. Um, and I did, I was in a deep, a big job search for a while. And I'll tell you, I had a file for each position that I was applying for. And I had a different resume for um, each position. And it was a lot of work. I mean, it's, 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 it's a full-time job looking for a full-time job. That's for sure. So the information that you shared is super helpful. Um, so we have a, a special sort of um, offer that we're going to, for those of you that are listening, um, and I haven't figured out where you're going to submit these to, but I'll have it in the comments in the YouTube. Um, but Aubrey has um, volunteered to review five, uh, five resumes so the first five people that send those resumes, should I just do Nikki Fiacco? I'm just going to do that for now. Let's just do that. Until I get an AmeriCorps alum network email, let's just send that to Nikki Fiacco. So uh, my name right here on the screen, N-I-C-K-I-F-I-O-C-C-O at gmail.com. The first five resumes that I receive, I'm going to send them over to Aubrey with your contact information, and she's going to review them and get in touch with you and do a, a resume audit. Um, so, yeah, so that's our, our special offer. And thank you so much for, for agreeing to do that. That's that's amazing. And I know it's going to be super helpful for. Yeah, um, I've gotten a lot of feedback that from people hiring that it was such a great resume. I actually have mine in two columns. Because it's actually, from a design perspective, it's actually very hard to read across a whole page. Okay. Lost in the line and, like, there's other design, like, dangling text, which I can go over with someone. But, like, um, so it took me a long time to design my resume and having it in two columns and having it be very succinct um, and put maybe three, four positions and then calling out the skills so they can just go through, oh, check, 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 you know, very easily. So they're not combing through every little line because they're not going to comb through every little line. Yeah. Even the manager hiring you is going to like briefly look over it, but they're probably not going to sit there and read line by line on everything. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'll be happy to review them and give feedback and everything because I think, again, it's great to hear what they did and then helping you translate it into something that you want to get to if you want to get in tech. I'm also happy to you know talk about tech and my experiences. And tech field is so big and you know, even under a web developer is so big or under user experience design, the vast number of jobs under there um, and everything. So yeah, so I'm happy to do that and, and reach out and, and mentor as best as I can. There's, I know like a lot of people are loving remote jobs, including myself. Yes. Um, flex, <laughs> flex jobs is great. You do have to pay to be able to apply but it's totally worth it. I also recommend paying for LinkedIn premium so that mm -hmm. you can reach out to people directly. Yes. Um, it's a great search. So you, so I was thinking about moving into corporate social responsibility. And yes. so I searched based on having gone to the university of Michigan, where I went for uh, undergrad 
and found people and people were really nice. Like, oh yeah, I'd love to talk about how I got into it and everything. Um, so I think even getting that, like something job that you're interested in, reach out to them, like how they got into it, or maybe if you can jab jobs shadow even, but getting your foot in the door. I have a very active alumni network that also has a job board. So look into your alumni um, services and see if they have that, if they have networking events. Um, that's definitely being a Michigan alum has helped me a lot. We're everywhere, supposedly the largest living alumni population. So everywhere I go, if I have a Michigan shirt on, there's someone yelling, go blue at me. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then I found, actually found a lot of my jobs on LinkedIn, um, and everything. So Google search, Google has a great job search. If you just put in like math teacher job, then it'll switch to a different search capability that is specifically for jobs. Um, Upwork is great if you're looking for freelance work. Mm -hmm. There's tons of sites like this. Um, you know, these are the ones I, I know off a hand. Indeed is great because people can also, companies can also reach out to you directly if you post your resume blast doors another place i've looked at jobs and definitely you want to go and review companies there see what they say um it'll get people like provide reviews people can do what the salary is like um and everything and then my contracting company is insight global um and so they're the company that pays me, but I work for the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, which is also hiring. But so Insight Global has a ton of positions, a ton of tech positions uh, open. I don't think they solely do tech, but mo most of them are in the tech field. So you mentioned, you mentioned, thank you so much for all of these resources. I was writing them down. I'm not job searching for a job right now, but I was writing them down and I'm going to put a little bookmark here. Um, you mentioned applying for flex positions, but it, it costs to apply. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So similar to LinkedIn premium, there's a cost, mm -hmm. subscription cost. So on flex jobs, there is a subscription cost. Um, but I mean, you get access to thousands of remote jobs. So I think it's worth it. Another, if you're looking for IT jobs is dice.com. Um, and then there's also, I think it's clearancejobs.com. If you're looking for um, positions in the federal government, sometimes mm. they will pay for your clearance. Um, I used to be a federal contractor. So I know also about that. With your year of service, you get a year of preference. Really? Um, for at least it, sh it was, don't quote me on that, but you should get a year of preference as to count towards one year of government service. So that would make sense. At the same level. So as someone who's worked in the government for one year, so you get that preference for one year. Wow. Um, so if you want to get into government job, federal government jobs, do that right away. USA, yeah. uh, I think it's usajobs.gov 
Yeah. But there are ones clearance like specific sites. So if you already have a clearance or or whatever, um, which is just an expansive background check. So you said clearance, and I thought like clearinghouse. And then when you said clearance, it makes sense of what you're saying was clearance. Yeah, that's my how things sometimes don't connect in my head, but that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. You shared so many resources. This is so helpful, Aubrey. Um, you're just, a, a just have so much knowledge about where people could go to find that, you know, the job, the job market's so different now, right? Like, and I am like, I am a crazy user of LinkedIn. I definitely have met people, had experiences, um, I had no idea about corporate social responsibility until I met um, some people online. And then I went to the United Nations for a summit on global volunteerism. And I had no idea that that world even existed. And my brain almost exploded. Um, so if you can if you can swing $32, $36 a month to, uh, uh, and we do not work for LinkedIn. We I do not work for them. I should. Um, we don't. Um, but if you do, if you can swing 36 bucks, it's totally worth getting premium because you can connect to people that you would not even be able to get into their office. It's it's fantastic. Um, well, I think that I've used a ton of your time and this has been so helpful, but I just want to, um, is there anything else that you would like to share? Um, anything that you didn't talk about that you would like to kind of bring up? Um, and then maybe just one last, like good luck to all of our AmeriCorps alums or anything you'd like to share? Um, yeah, know that the work you do is so valuable. Like people really need it. We obviously have all these positions out there because all these organizations need the help and need new ideas and new thinking and everything. So your year of service like goes on, like, you know, I miss, you know, working in nonprofits. So the way I supplement that for myself is I'm on an associate board for a nonprofit in Chicago. So I'm able to give back and fund, help fundraise for them and really advocate for that organization. And so I think even if you switch fields and get out of social services, there's still so many ways you can give back to your local community and really make an impact in, in use your service to to do that or even staying in um social services which idealist.org is a great nonprofit mm. search job search site um and they often have job fairs in some of the bigger cities so that's one i looked for when i was still doing nonprofit way back in the day so <laughs> But you, you also make friends for a lifetime. I have a friend here who's from my AmeriCorps service, which is back in 2009 to 2010. And we've been friends ever since. She's lived in LA. She's lived in New York. We visit each other. Like we are super close. So, you know, I think good job for doing AmeriCorps, like, and good luck to everyone. Um, who's now figuring out what they're going to do next. And that service will, will always be, at least for me, important and valuable and 
one of the best things I've done. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was just a very good wrapping it up end point of um, just how important this work is. And um, thank you again. We started this, we started connecting, I think over about a month or so ago. And I was like, hold on, I'll get back in touch with you. I need to figure out the technology piece of it. So thank you so much for waiting in the wings. And um, for those of you that have listened, um, and in, are enjoying this, um, please share it. Even if um, you're sharing this with uh, individuals who aren't AmeriCorps alums or aren't even part of AmeriCorps, um, it might provide some interesting, you know, it, they might be interested in serving as an AmeriCorps member. Like I said, I was 30 something when I went and served. Um, some people are retooling right now when if their industries have shut down. So thank you so much for, for tuning in. And again, the first five emails that we get um, to NikkiFiacco at gmail.com. And the spelling is down there, but I'll figure out how to post it in the, um, in the show notes. But um, Aubrey, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll see you all um, another, on another podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yep. <laughs>